back to another episode of the Pro Hope Podcast. My name is Penda Jai, your sex expert, your CEO of sex, and we are uncovering how to enhance arousal and learning from experts and all the cuties and the dolls on their lived experiences pertaining to how to have bigger, better, stronger orgasms and just how to embrace sexual identity in general. So our guest for today is Kendra Austin, a storyteller and generational healer centering work around radical self-acceptance, spirituality, and positive self-image. Yes, Yes. Welcome, Kendra. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yes, we're excited to have you. And I just want to, first of all, say I'm such a stan. I've been a fan from a distance. You know, we always like seeing each other in Mm -hmm. passing. And so I'm glad to finally have this conversation and particularly around body image, because I've seen that that's really feels like your kind of mission, at least for right now, where you are in your life and juncture and just kind of encouraging positivity and body positivity. And I know those words are a little bit tarnished and I would love to kind of get into that because it was, I feel like it it. was a very kind of overused term that everyone was like, what is body positivity? You know, like what really does that mean? So I want to start first and foremost by just kind of, you know, my own unlearning as well is that we should remove ourselves from the idea that fat is a negative word. And I would love to kind of understand more about your understanding of the word fat. Like, how do you embrace it? How do you kind of, you know, decolonize the word? What's that practice look like for you? Totally. Um, I think in my healing process in general, language has always been one of my most powerful tools. Like I'm a writer by profession. Um, I've always been into public speaking. When I was a kid, I was class president. That is just who I am. And I found that I, despite that being true in an external source, internally, I didn't have a whole lot of discernment or control about the language that I was using with myself. And in that way, I empowered other people to use use language by their own rules and value systems and then allow them to inflict that upon me, right? And mostly that was negative when it came to, you know, other people's opinions of my body and how I was navigating using my body in a space. The physical experience and specifically the word fat was one of like the first, uh, was kind of like my like intro into redefining myself for myself. I find that using the most simplistic terms to describe something is just what is most resonant for me. And if we could use thin sallow, dark, white, black, if we can use these very literal terms to describe everybody else, why would that not be true for me unless people were trying to weaponize that identity against me? Obviously, it's really powerful when even at 29 years old, um, people want to sling the term fat at me, again, as though it's a weapon. And I just get to simply react plainly. Like that is a very powerful moment when um, I see that people realize that that's not something that has an effect on me because it's true. It's like, right girl, and you can't call me ugly. (laughs) You can't call me broke. So what else? (laughs) Let's be real. If we think about, you know, indigenous peoples and African ancestors and things like that, fatness was revered and honored. And if you were fat, listen, you were fed well. Your man had money to go get the goat and the cow and like feed your family, you know, all those things. And so I would love to kind of hear a little bit more about you and, and how you have found, you know, power in stepping away from those white beauty standards, because I feel like for black women specifically, it's a daily practice. Like every day we're confronted with those. I, those notions of beauty. 
And one of the first texts that I came on was um, Fearing the Black Body by Sabrina Strings. And in that, she really defines the, very clearly the history of anti-fatness and fat phobia and its connection to chattel slavery within the context of like American or Western society. And I feel like understanding, you know, her delineation and her understanding and in teaching is really about the fact that like capitalism and white supremacy are two horns on the same bull. And the second that you can connect somebody's physicality, physical features to their output in riches, right? And their ability to produce is the second that you get to decide that somebody is more worthy or not in a system in cap under the system of capitalism. We have to do this constant interrogation of how like we know this, most of us are only a few grandparents away from chattel slavery. Yeah. It's still very much here and present. And and like, you know, you talk about, like you were just mentioning, like the consequences of that are quintessentially the same. Like there was once a time in white women were saying, well, those are those curvy, athletic, poor, lonely, like lowly women. They have to work and they're poor and they're living off of us and our spoils. How many times have we heard this narrative? Um, and also like they're deserving of sexual assault. They're deserving of sexual perversion. Yes. They're deserving of everything that happens to them that's bad because they're not desirable to me. Yes. That is a truth that we yes. all exist in, oh, right? When it comes to texturism, colorism, fat phobia, all of those things in desirability are connected to that. Absolutely. And I think that shows up a lot in the bedroom, in porn, in the connection to porn, and the way that I think specifically heteronormative relationships operate in the bedroom. And that... I think is why sex can be such a traumatic space mm. for people who are curvy. I'm, I'm going to speak from my own personal experience, like for people who are fat or curvy, um, or who are at least considered those things by people who are benefiting from us experiencing oppression. Recently, my girlfriends and I, we were at brunch and we were talking about how like I have personally often experience interactions, I think specifically with men, although I will say also with a few women, where like I noticed that they kind of put me on this shell of like a capacity for intimacy and how that started almost with like our first conversation. And of course, like now I'm, I'm grown, so it happens lesser, not, not really at all. But when I was in like my young 20s and in college, I wasn't able to discern when hypersexualization was happening right. because I was just so grateful to be like seen as sexy, oh, especially- exactly. You know, especially growing up, you know, in like middle school and high school, like kids are so condemning of what's different and they are just willing, you know, there's, we're all sponges. I, like I can remember such specific instances of like, you know, I, I'm on the, I'm at the high school homecoming game in 10th grade and Brad Wood turns around to me and says, Kendra, you're really pretty for a black girl. Like maybe one day people will find you attractive. Or when John McJunkin told me like, you know, everybody's saying how like you're going to be really, really pretty one day when you lose weight. Like, those are the things that stick with you, right? Like you remember forever. exactly word for word. You remember their names, where you were. I'm sure you can take yourself back to that moment where your body was, what you were feeling, because we hold on to those negative little exactly. bitches. <laughs> or when I get skinny, then I'm going to wear this dress or like I'm not going to go on vacation until I can fit into this bathing suit. And that's like so blasphemous when you think about it, because it's like, OK, well, babes, not tomorrow is not guaranteed. Right. So what are we you know, how are we going to step into this present moment? And so I know you're like you said you're visible on social media you have this beautiful platform where you're encouraging to do this work so what are some of the tools that you you encourage your followers to kind of you know take the first step into unlearning and decolonizing and the first thing obviously within access therapy like 
I, those therapists are the unsung heroes of every powerful person that's, that utilizes them. Like they are just such a resource. One, I feel like it was particularly as a fat black woman, a fat black queer woman that has held the like weight of my shoulders of being labeled strong for my entire life. Being able to be perceived in absolute undress and what I would have defined as weakness at a time was so freeing for me. It was nothing but pure liberation to look in the eyes of another black woman who also empowered herself to go through school, go through again, all of the value systems, jump through all the hoops in order to have this qualification to show up with me today and just grant me space to be whoever I need to be. I mean, it was melting. Like I felt like I just became this like amorphous, just blob that I got to reinvent on my own terms. That allowed me the space to do that. I didn't have to be the strong, fortified, this is who I am. I got to be malleable and ambiguous and fluid and all of these things that the outside world may not grant me on any given day. Exactly. Right? I think also my friend made it made such a great point because while I am, you know, building the sex toy company looking for investments, she also, she she has raised a million dollars and so she's kind of been through this, this process, but she's like, for black women specifically, What's beautiful, but it's also a detriment, is that nothing really happens in logical order. Things don't happen the way things happen for white men. Things don't happen the way that things happen for for white women. Mm. And so we're always constantly, to your point of being malleable, having to be super flexible in the ways that we navigate spaces and say, like, hey, like, I know I'm going to raise this money, but it might look a little differently than how someone else has previously raised money. It might look like me showing up to, you know a bar and like randomly talking to someone who's an investor yes. and connecting with them. It might be at a club on the dance floor. It might be, you know, like someone's mother's cousin's brother works Literally. somewhere. And I think the more that we kind of embrace that our process looks a lot different, honestly, than some other, you know, white counterparts. Right. I think the more that we are going to just see just beautiful fruits from our labor. I do want to go back a little bit earlier because it is a Proho podcast after of all. Course. And you let's get into it. <laughs> yes. You mentioned porn and, and the hypersexualization of, of curvier or fat women on, on porn sites. And I would love to get into this because I think that porn, I have a, you know, I have an appreciation for porn because I do think it can be an extreme learning tool. Totally. I really think that it can be a way to broaden your imagination and your fantasies. I think it's a great way to communicate. I had a partner who would, you know, send me porn clips and be like, oh, I yeah. really want to try this do tonight. This. Or just think, like inspiration, inspo. We love it. Um, but of course, there are also like a lot of negative parts about porn and, and how black women specifically are perceived. And I think you said about sexual assault and feeling safe that a lot of times in, you know, porn, especially if you're watching interracial, like the black woman, like is kind of degraded and it doesn't feel like they're put on a pedestal. And that was always one of my biggest qualms. It's like, okay, I feel super divine and super elegant right. and powerful in my body. And that's how I want to be treated sexually. But why is it so difficult to find porn where like black women are uplifted in this, in this right. way? especially in interracial specifically, you know, if we're going into like black amateur, that's when I really found like, okay, I see, exactly. you know, it's a different, you exactly. can tell there's a difference, like black amateur porn. I'm like, oh, there's right. such a level of care yes. put into this into a black woman as opposed to other kind of genres. So I want to know, you know, what do you think about porn? How right. have you seen yourself represented? Is it truthful? Is it false? Like what, what's happening when you, when you're on porn? I came into my sexuality very, very young through porn. Like, I think I have a kid in the cul-de-sac who was like a few years older than me, like had like mentioned a porn site. And I was just curious. So I went and looked it up at like probably like nine or 10. 
And from there, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, you know, like I was just, I, I felt like I was like a little, like the way that people picture like a little bo- teenage boy. Like I was just immediately activated into like, what is she feeling? Like, it feels like she's really reactive to this. Like she likes the way he's touching her there. She likes the way he's touching her there. And I was like, well, let me do that for myself. And then, you know, I just did the typical, like very, very long showers. <laughs> That's where yes. you find your safe space Doors as a young girl. Your parents are like knocking on the outside, like, hello. Are you okay? Yes. Exactly. Like the water has run so cold and I am absolutely still in there. You know, that was, I, I would say that the the age in which I came into porn would have been almost solely damaging because I didn't have a self, a, a self image period. Right. And so me molding my desirability and my sexuality and my access to pleasure around what I saw in porn, of course, meant I spent the majority of my early um, years in having sex with other people, uh, self-abandoning and putting myself in unsafe situations because what we see in like porn on Pornhub, like the most accessible porn, like the 99% of the internet is so, it's violent. Right. And yes. and that's unfortunate is that it's inherently violent. And, you know, when you look at titles of porn videos with that are not amateur, and I love the fact that you know, you mentioned amateur because that's my favorite. Like yes. I watch so much amateur porn and that's also why I think OnlyFans becoming a thing was really great for me, especially as like a TikTok user, because I find sex workers on, on TikTok all the time. Yes. And I'm like, e- honestly, even if I don't watch their content, I'm like, I love you. I love you. Yes. I love what you're creating. I love that you're sharing this with the world. Like I will subscribe. I subscribe to so many creators on OnlyFans. To me, I'm like, this is art. Porn predates the internet. Like porn yes. is ancient. So I think that like now we're kind of getting back to that. Like we're watching people a just like claim their own business. Like they're not being hired by browsers and by Pornhub, like yeah. by big porn. Like they are producing their own content on their own terms with other creators that they feel safe with. And you can feel that. Like I can tell that you are enjoying that. Like as much as you are a performer, the performance is true pleasure. And it's because you get to do this on your own terms. And I feel like that has come at a great time for me because I'm finally getting to experience a sexuality through my own gaze like if you see like fat women on the internet on porn sites i feel like it's so like she's taking a pounding like it's you know what i'm saying and it's just yes. so like grotesque and like centered around like how much that fat woman can take mm. in violence and i think that's also true for black women in general and dark-skinned women on porn sites and that's how i visualize my sexuality for like 20 when i first started having sex up until maybe like 25 exactly. was like how much can i take i would often involve myself with men who claimed that they were like into like dom sub dynamics who were like kinky but their version of kink is just like degrading women on their terms they're not actually asking like what are you comfortable with what do you like to hear what do you like to be called how do you like to be taught what does dominance mean to you and like not necessarily them taking power but me invoking trust in that dynamic to be like i want you to do this to me right there's so much if you're a sub there's so much power in being a sub and people forget that if you're a dom and you don't realize that subs have power we're not you're not doing this you're not actually in kink yeah exactly and you're not you're not caring about it and i and i also just relate so much to the the violence that's inflicted on women in porn and i think that you know we also see it in the media like we've seen older films where the woman is slapped around and then she comes running back to the man and she's like in love and then she wants to have makeup sex and after they fight that makeup sex i think it's just been indoctrinated in us so much that like violence against women is okay in sexual experiences that's what we experience in the media that's what's going on and that's what good sex is like everybody is like hating on like vanilla 
of sex and yes. and like missionary and i'm like babe don't yuck people's yum yeah, you know what never. i'm saying like right. if people are safe doing that and they are coming and they are coming good are, <laughs> yes. what what are we talking about exactly i know i just did a post on like missionary and everyone i was so surprised people were like this is my favorite position do yeah. this, da, da, da. it's the most sensual it's the most connected and i'm like yeah they're like don't yuck people's yums also like i love rough sex and i love being slapped around sometimes i love right. bsm but i also just need care like i don't understand why that's such a difficult concept exactly and again like Like, the only reason that's enjoyable is because of trust and safety exactly I was hanging out with one of my friends the other day and he's a gay man and and um, I was dressed like, I don't know, just like very cozy, very casual, very non-gender, just like showing up as myself and, and like the least effort as ever. And he was like, you look so fabulous. You look great. Like, oh my gosh. I was like, yes, it's giving on the spectrum. It's giving yes. it's giving on the spectrum. And I'm just like, I, f- I wish more people existed on that. Like, yes, I lean more hetero, but like, right. I know I have gay thoughts. I'm attracted to women in, in certain capacities. So it's right. like, I think like you said letting yourself just exist however that is whatever you're attracted to is what you're what you're attracted to and as long as it's in a safe and consenting space i'm like we need to just get to all arrive to that place there's there's, totally. a, there's a wide spectrum it ebbs and flows you can change and you can exactly have, you know and that's not a, a, a that's not something that we should be fearful of no and like to go into the porn conversation like how many women did you know like in our early 20s like growing up who were like yeah i really only ever watch like women on women and it's because that's the only porn where they i think they could actually feel what was happening yes in like a, a nice way you're like oh i can actually feel in my body that what's happening to her feels good because exactly. another woman is doing it yes and i feel like i like got had an externalized experience of like being with women that obviously was like a huge thing when i shifted from just having sex with men yes i was like oh like my entire idea of how i need to show up can't even exist in this space the performance of like riding a dick <laughs> yeah right it's and like, being like even feel good you know what i'm saying the the performance of riding a dick doesn't feel good and when you're with somebody who you can't perform for then you realize how much of your sex life is a performance exactly under the male gaze and imagining yourself as a porn star and not as somebody who is like presently trying to seek intimacy and play and curiosity with somebody who you think is hot Yes. And like, to me, those are like the main words that I associate with sex is like curiosity play. Like that is what I want. I want to be able to like laugh and like, Mm -hmm. just like fuck around and find out. And like people who are unsafe, not even just because they are like predators necessarily, but just because there may be like a cisgender hetero, like heteronormative man in a heteronormative society, like the likelihood of them being an unsafe person to be having sex with is high just simply because they are incentivized to inflict sexual violence against women. Exactly. Even in terms of like, both of us have have invited the sexual act. We're here, we're having fun, but like all they're doing is just... You know, because that equates to some some fictional manhood that is, I don't know, doesn't even really exist. But something about feeling dominant in, in the sexual realm translates for some men to being like, OK, well, I have more power in, in the world. And I think totally. specifically because of black men, because a lot of power has been taken away, taken let's them. be honest, that that probably feels like a way to kind of recoup some of that power. 
you know, okay, so we, we've we've kind of gone through the tools and the enlightenment and the indoctrination and unlearning and all those things. So for you, when you're, you know, I'm sure you're getting lots of interest in the DMs and on, I don't know if you're on dating <laughs> apps or whatever, et cetera. So how, how are you like, are people still like, are people fetishizing you? And if they are like, what are you, what do you say to them? Do you ignore them? Um, how do you weed through the, the people right. that are fetishizing? What are some green flags? What are some green flags? How about that? Right. You know, my DMs are so funny because my internet following is entirely, everything I do quite literally is for the bitches. Yes. And (laughs) I think I have like, I don't know, like a four, like anywhere between like four and 6% male following. Like everybody that follows me and the majority of my DMs are literally young women, like 14 year olds being like, you make me feel good about myself. I feel like I can like show up for X, Y, and Z with my mom. Like I have this conversation with my mom. I feel like I can have this conversation with my partner. I feel like I don't have to feel good on my body. Like, I mean, it runs the gamut of like what they're receiving from me. And it's always about who I am, right? Mm, Like my thoughts. Yeah. Like my connection to people. And then like, I would say for every 10 of those, I get a man who does not follow me. Who's like, I want to put my face in your ass. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, thank you. Um, Right. And exactly. It's like, I want to put my face in your ass. It's so crazy because I'm like, yeah, I get it. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and also like, I'm like very like sex forward on, mm-hmm. on the internet. Like I'm just a sexy, per- like I am a Period. sexy person. That's Period. a part of my personal expression. I yes. love a little vamp. I love a little, like seduction is like definitely a part of my energy. And I understand why men would think that that's mm-hmm. for them. Right. <laughs> right. So yes, like the that way that they invitation. come. Exactly. So they show up to that very often and in that way. Um, I'm not interested in that. I will say in general, I think because I'm such a loud bitch online and I definitely have misandrous qualities, (laughs) like men don't really approach me on the internet as much as they approach me in person. Like there are like a lot of guys that like maybe have followed me for a while and we met through a friend of a friend or at Dumbo house or whatever. And then they'll like maybe holla at me in person after seeing me on the internet Mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. dropping a few like hard eye emojis. Um, and they're right for that. You know what I'm saying? Cause I think they're afraid that I'll call their asses out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, that's my personal protection is me just having my boundaries, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah, no, I would say there's like a lot of like hypersexualization. And I think that that also translates often into the way that men react to me in person for sure. Last question now that you, you know, establish those boundaries, do you feel like establishing the boundaries, you know, the ritual that you've spoken about and all of the unlearnings, do you feel like in general, those things and all of the work that you've been doing have enhanced your sexuality overall? Do you feel like you're having like better orgasms now that you're like, yes, like this is me, bitch. Like I know exactly what I want. I'm going to tell you what I want. Like, do you find like within this growth, you're also seeing the fruits in your sexuality and your sexual experiences? Yeah, totally tenfold. I think in a few different ways. First of all, like being in my body, like having a connection, having divorced myself from diet culture and fat phobia means that I am in my body. I'm listening to my body. I'm listening to when it's hungry. I'm listening to when it's horny. Yes. So I feel like just surely knowing when I am ready to go, it has benefited me because I'm more likely to achieve orgasm and do more often. The other thing is like, I think that just like my frontal lobe has formed Mm-hmm. And I don't fear people walking away from me. I don't fear people making me feel rejected yes. in the same way that I once did. Yes. So I'm okay with saying like, 
literally in the moment while we're having sex, like, what about this? What about me makes you think that this is just about you? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what I want. This is what makes me feel good. And I think that like, also I'm just a connect, I'm a connector. So like when I'm in an intimate space, I realize that I can be that more honestly because I have a boundary and because I love who I am and I feel good in who I am. I don't fear being like, Hey, like, babe, that feels nice, but I think this will feel better. Like, can you do this? You know what I'm saying? You can just approach with the softness and with the, like, you're doing a great job and I would love this. Um, yes. Yes. And and. I'm doing that outside of, of the bedroom. So it, it just translating naturally into being like, I'm so appreciative of this connection and I'm seeing a way that we can connect better and more fully in a way that makes me feel great. So I think that that's really helpful. And then I think also just in terms of kind of all of the systemic challenges that we were talking about earlier, as far as being in a fat body and being a black woman and being so susceptible to hypersexualization and to like sexual violence, I think that I have started to reframe the challenges of experiencing that more often than maybe a thinner, a, a thinner, fairer counterpart. And that just naturally means that I'm engaging less with people who tell me off the off jump that they see me as a toy. Yes. Yes. And I, that's not to say that there's any condemnation or shame that should come with not a, being able to identify that or B, just simply being user, being deceived by somebody because there are a lot of people who are in, in the game of deceiving in order to get yes. what they want. And we don't need to feel bad for learning, for knowing tomorrow what we didn't know yesterday. We don't have to feel bad about that. And I refuse to, you know, to inflict that shame onto anybody who may be listening or even myself. It's like, yeah, I'm going to make a mistake every now and again. It certainly happens where I'm like, oh, he was a clown when he said this, but I was like, kind of like, he was looking kind of fine. So I thought maybe we should try it. You know what I'm saying? And that happens, right? Where you're like, after the fact, you're like, wow, you're a bozo. You know, tried had to put my hand on the stove, got burned, moving on, you know, putting myself on, moving on. Yes. But yeah, I have also started to view, um, view hypersexualization with greater discernment and realizing that that's not flattery to me. I want to be held in preciousness. I don't want to be as frequent as, as frequently as I encounter it. I want to be coveted. I want to go where I'm honored, where people want to touch me with softness and with reverie and with joy. I don't want to be with somebody who's like, Oh, like she's big. So that means that she's going to suck my dick or she's big. And that means that she's going to do whatever I want or she's big. So that means that I get to treat her like with harshness, like she can take more. Yes. And that's really common for me. I want nothing to do with that. I don't want to be in relationships where I know that you only view me in sexuality. Like a lot of people sexually feel great about being with women, mm-hmm. with, with fat women, mm-hmm. and but never want to like protect that person and don't want to be in a relationship with them and don't exactly. want to like parade them around. Exactly. Exactly. It's about the power. I mean, honestly, being sexually attracted to me or thinking that I'm beautiful is really like the bare fucking minimum. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm like, like I got so many other qualities, so many exactly. other things going. And people for me. are lined up feeling the same. Take a ticket, you know? Like exactly. I'm like, listen, my whole family and friends tell me this every fucking day. Like, exactly. I mean, what you got to come with something a little different, you know? Exactly. And so I think the power and what you're saying is like, and this is something that I feel like I have to work on all the time, and with women in general, is 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 actually choosing, knowing you have the power to choose instead of always being chosen. And that's really like, 
that's yes. what it is for me. It's like, no, 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 no. We get to choose exactly who we're engaging with sexually and letting that energy into us. And we like, we're not living in the scarcity mindset. Okay. A dick is abundant. Right. Uh, you know, sex is abundant, whatever you want, it's out there for you and you can go, you can go and get it. And I think the takeaway that I've gotten from this beautiful conversation that we've had is like, if you're not healthy, if you're not horny, you're not healthy. And I think exactly. for you, you've, you've put it in such a beautiful way that healthy includes yes physically healthy but it's mentally healthy spiritually healthy and you know it's a holistic experience and so i i really want to thank you for coming on and speaking more about that in general if you're you know if you're not horny you're not healthy okay so you got to reevaluate what else is what else is going in your life the other variables that's exactly it and like we we owe it to ourselves we owe it to ourselves to heal enough to like come to pleasure, right? Yes. Like we owe it to ourselves to heal enough to realize that we have choice. I love the fact that you said that and that like systems and people that seek to harm us are not the chooser. Mm-hmm. And we get to like hear an emphatic and excited yes. Like we get to hear that. Listen, my, um, Adrian Marie Brown, she says in an orgasmic yes. And that's yes. how I try to live my life is an orgasmic yes. Anything else than that, like we don't need it. We can throw it away. Yes, exactly. I love that. So where can our listeners learn more about you, follow you? Do you have any projects coming up that you want to plug? Let us know. Yes. Um, so you can find me at Kendra Morris on all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, um, and Twitter. And I also run a newsletter called Come Home, KendraAustin.substack.com. And I'll also be publishing an Oracle deck in July of this year called The Realist Oracle. It is size inclusive, gender inclusive, disability inclusive, um, and so particularly queer. Um, And, you know, it's depicting real life experiences of when we want to say yes and when we want to question um, our purpose and why we're here in everyday environments that we would all be in. Somebody crying on the subway, somebody on a dating app, somebody in therapy, all the things I think often we don't see as parts of the spiritual process because they're so human, but that is why they're a part of the spiritual process. So I have included all of that in the deck. It's a 53 card deck um, designed by Bria Benjamin, who's also a black queer femme. And um, that will be out July 18th. So you can find that work. Um, and I'm also working on a book, which will be out in 2024. So I'm just cheesing over here, like hearing you just describe it. It's so, so, so special. And I feel so energized to like support you. And, and it just feels so aligned for you. And um, I'm, I'm really excited for you and all the things, thank all the so abundant much. things that are coming your way. So thank you so much for joining us on the ProHo podcast and more and more, more and more. That's right. More and more. more I more. appreciate you. Thank you. Yes. Bye. I love you.